What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. What are the Falcons doing, Kalal? And we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. I'm glad to see I got my nickname privileges back after last week. Be careful now. It's a privilege for a reason. Right. You're correct. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything else on it, So, but I appreciate hearing that to start the show off. I am doing very well. Had an excellent weekend. Uh, another Atlanta Zone retreat with you last weekend where we went to some property up in North Georgia and uh, just screwed around all weekend, playing all types of activities, hammer slogging, can jam, disc golf, drink just you know just a couple of beverages right nothing nothing out of the ordinary no binge drinking yeah, nothing over the top made a hole in one in uh disc golf so i'm still riding high on that which was crazy yeah ridiculous and i even picked the spot where we had to go for that makeshift hole and somehow you made it around all these trees it's impossible yeah, you set me up Bo. so i appreciate that big time Sure. Uh, and then ended the weekend by shooting some shotguns and making charcoal. So, you know, we got a lot of activities into a couple days and actually feel rejuvenated. And then today we get a lot of big uh, Atlanta sports news. So I'm excited to dive into all of that with you, sir. Yes, it should be a packed show today. We're talking Matt Ryan contract restructure. We're talking Hawks. Six game winning streak, five game, five game winning streak is what they're at now. Talking Brave Spring training. Marcelo Zuna hit a home run today. Uh, today that we're recording this is March 16th, 2021. Ronald Acuna's on fire. Bryce Wilson's looking good. So we got a lot to talk about here on the show today, Adam. What do you say we jump in with our old friends who have been somewhat neglected over the last month or so, even though we talked about them a fair share last week, the Atlanta Falcons? I, I, I do have to say I'm a little sad that it's not a free talk Tuesday, though. I enjoyed free talk Tuesday. Yeah. It's going to have a little more structure in your life, just like the Falcons have restructured Matt Ryan's contract. Ooh, well done. And this and this move gives the Falcons a lot more cap space. Well, not a lot more, but a hell of a lot more cap space this year than they would have had had they not restructured Matt Ryan's deal. They had it until 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today to do it, and they did. So basically, the long and short of it is, Matt Ryan's cap hit for 2021 was going to be $40.9 million. With this restructuring of his contract, the cap hit is now $26.5 million. For those of you who aren't great at math, that's about $14 million and a half or so dollars approximately to work with with the cap this year. The problem with this is it makes the next couple years and this year, it really makes it virtually impossible to trade Matt. Um, so his cap hit in 2022 is going to be 48.6 million because a lot of the money got moved around to 2022 and it will be 43.6 million in 2023. So I think this squashes potentially the Falcons drafting a quarterback back at four and indicates that the Falcons may be looking to trade out of that fourth, uh, that number four overall pick or use that fourth overall pick for a position entirely different from quarterback yeah it's certainly a game changer and so break it down a little bit so i mean you did break it down for me but basically matt ryan has three years left on his current contract 
And before this restructuring, it was very feasible and a lot of people speculated likely that we would be done with him after this year. But now his cap hit next year is more than what his cap hit was going to be this year is what you're saying? Yes, it it is now ballooned to he will cost $48.6 million next year. Just next year, not overall for the rest of his contract, just next year. So does this not screw us for next year with his cap hit then? Like, are we we not going to have just the same horrific cap situation going into next year's offseason? I'm not even talking about who who our quarterback is or, like, whether Matt Ryan can still play at a decent level. But are we not just going to have to, like, do something similar with other players next year? So – Let's 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 take a step back for a second. We're we're here partially because of Thomas Dimitrov giving Matt Ryan this big extension, and not only Matt Ryan giving Matt Ryan this big extension, but getting big extensions to Julio Jones when he still had what three years left on his contract, and and you know a couple other players giving Dante Fowler Jr. a, a huge deal, giving J- Jamon Brown a huge deal, James Carpenter a huge deal. Some of those players factor into your to your long term plans or can make a big impact. Some didn't, uh, and and the people that didn't were, you know, I, I think a Fowler, Carpenter, and Brown. Obviously, Carpenter's not even with the team anymore. So we're here with this horrific cap situation because of one Thomas Dimitrov, and now Terry Fontenot and company had to come in and say, okay, can we win with Matt Ryan or rebuild around Matt Ryan? And they made the decision today that they think they can. The problem now is that even though you've opened up some cap space, and yes, you might be able to go out and get a free agent, you are going to get out and get a big free agent. And you have you still have a lot of holes to fill. You have so many holes to fill on the offensive line and the defensive line. And the Falcons also released all of their safeties. Keanu Neal is gone. DeMonte KZ is gone. Ricardo Allen is gone. So we knew Ricardo Allen had been released, but I was shocked that the Falcons didn't retain DeMonte KZ. I guess there's just going to be too much money. I don't know. Or they're going to try and fill those holes in the in the draft or get a cheaper option in free agency. I think, but we got tons yeah. of holes on this team. I, I think they they must and, really and like Jalen Hawkins, the the second year player that we took last year. I guess, but but to me, you know, like when when we start making those moves to to get rid of those safeties, it, it said to me that it looked like it might have been a possibility that the Falcons would were going to trade Matt. And just and just take the the dead cap hit of like forty million dollars or whatever it was, and just say screw it, this is a lost year. Whatever, we'll take this hit for one year and then it's done. We can still draft, uh, you know, a quarterback at four, and the future is now. The rebuild starts now. What this signifies to me is that they're going. It's, it's like trying to do too much with too little. It's like. We're going to rebuild, sort of, but we're also going to keep Matt Ryan. And I really don't see those two things complementing each other. It's just weird. I, I mean, I was never on team rebuild in the first place or thinking that these guys were going to do a full rebuild. Because, first of all, I think if you took the Matt Ryan cap hit before this restructure, I don't think you can put a roster together, like, financially. Uh, I think you could. It would just be dirt-cheap players. Right, but you can't have like replacement scraps on a roster that still has Julio Jones and Grady Jarrett and Calvin Ridley on it. I think you you could, you could. And 
you you would be able to then be able to move on a little bit more the next year. But now, my fear is this: in in the last eight years or so, we've only had two, I think, two winning seasons, which was the Super Bowl year and the year after the Super Bowl year, with a lot of the pieces that are still in this core. So, how do we think that we can? I know things are different, new coach, new front office, etc. I just don't see things changing that dramatically, and you're still financially very hindered. So even though I understand not wanting to be on team rebuild, it's like I don't see a way around this to not be on team rebuild. And also, given the track record of this core, I just don't think we're going to be any better off, even if we have a, a good draft. Any longtime user of this show knows I love Matt Ryan to death. I got his jersey the first Christmas that he was here. I've, I've worn it pretty much every Sunday that there's been a Falcons game or Saturday during the playoffs or Christmas or whatever since 2008. I, I love this guy. He's given us all of his team. He's a great quarterback. But era's end. And I, I thought this would have been the appropriate time, given what the front office has been started to do, of, of sort of tearing it down to a degree, to move on. As much as that, that, that would hurt. But I just don't see a, a, a way that we're going to find our, you know, I don't see a way where we're going to be contending for anything in the next three years because of this that's a lot of money to be given an aging quarterback that might be slipping and that looked like he was slipping by the end of last year now he might have a complete renaissance with arthur smith but you still have a lot of holes and are you gonna be able to fill those holes with this limited cap space you're gonna have to draft your ass off in order for the falcons to be an actual contender yeah i mean i think coach i mean we're they're basically assuming that the coaching better coaching is going to fix this and that matt ryan can be at least a league average quarterback and, I mean, really, I mean, you're three out of five players on the offensive line are good, or adequate at least. You've got three weapons and Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst. So we need to add a running back. The offense can be fixed, I think. And if Ryan Tannehill can go into Arthur Smith's program and become one of the best quarterbacks in the league, why not Matt Ryan? So that's, I guess, the... Those two have assessed they've assessed Matt Ryan and said we can win with this guy. Let's go for it. I don't know. I mean, even though even with everything you're saying though, it's like we just have so many holes. I don't know how you're gonna fill all these holes and still have Matt Ryan, the amount of money you gotta pay him and be competitive. I don't know. You're gonna have to just have a perfect draft. Well and yeah, you might be able to turn around the offense, but the defense is a whole nother ballgame. You have no safeties. Your cornerbacks are very young, your defensive line sucks minus Grady Jarrett. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but and, we have yeah. nine draft picks as is right now. Yeah, and we could trade down and get even more. And get more. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it it's not out of the realm of possibility. You could field a decent roster if you have a really good draft. That's just a lot to put on your your front your new front office, who just started working like a couple months ago. Well, he took the job knowing that it's a disaster of a situation, which. You know, we can blame Dimitrov for a couple of years until anything Fontenot, until you can really judge anything that Fontenot has done. So, I mean, yeah, I think trading out of that fourth pick is a no-brainer right now, and I, I would be shocked if we didn't. If, if, we followed, if we follow this up with drafting a quarterback at four, then I'm just horribly confused and don't know what to think. Yeah, it's like, what the hell are you doing? And, yeah, I really I, – I would love to trade down to, like, a late first-round pick – 
and maybe a third round pick or something. You could probably get a couple of picks at least for the fourth overround pick, especially for a team that's quarterback starved that needs a quarterback like the New England Patriots. Or uh, even though I know Miami has two, uh, they might shit. They might want that. Yeah, I think. Although they draft. Before I feel like you're. I, I feel like know. you're undervaluing a number four overall pick. Like you, you should. Yeah. You better maybe get a a mid first round pick and a second round pick if you're trading out of that. Yeah, yeah. You got to you, 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 Yes, yes. You you need to get as much as you can out of that. I'm not sure what the going rate is, but yeah, I think if you target somebody who needs a quarterback, you might be able to even fleece him for three. Yeah. Well, look look, I mean, look at the Julio this. Jones trade. The, exactly. I was just about to bring that up. I think we gave the Browns like five or six picks, and that was, what, the number six or five overall pick? So, yeah. Who knows? We could get five or six picks for the number four overall pick. I don't know. Granted, the, Br- the Browns turned that into nothing, so you got to do something with those picks. Right. One would think, though, with the the pedigree that Terry Fontenot has, that he'll he'll know how to utilize those picks effectively, or at least half of them effectively, and execute on that. It's a weird time. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of outrage out there amongst the Matt Ryan haters, even though some of the Matt Ryan lovers. But you know, it the the move has been made. We can't do anything about it. We can bitch. We can moan. We could we could be happy about. It. I don't know. I'm. I'm not in favor of it as of right now, and I'll, I'll stick by that. Well, what what um, else could they have done to get under the cap? You, yeah, I mean that's the that's the challenge. Is that I would like I said I wouldn't have even worried about that as much. I would just eat money. I mean, think about the Eagles are pretty much caught are forfeiting this season. The Eagles release Carson Wentz. I don't know if they trade him or released him or whatever. Either way, they got rid of him. Carson Wentz is on the Colts. They're eating 33, I think 33.6 million in dead cap. They're forfeiting the season to say, okay, let's just re- reset this. It's a busted season. It sucks, but so oh, be the, it. The, no, you're you're off base there. They have Jalen Hurts, who a lot of Eagles fans want to see as the starting quarterback anyways. But I'm just saying in terms of the cap, Adam, they have, they're willing to sacrifice their cap. And also to say that Jalen Hurts is the is the second coming or going to be your first overall, you know, going to be your number one quarterback, a franchise quarterback. You can't say after he performed decently for five games. So explain to me, they are forfeiting. This explain season. to me and the users dead cap space. So, so dead cap space is when you get rid of a player either by trading or releasing him, and you are penalized a certain amount of money. So, for example. If the Falcons had released Matt Ryan or traded him, they would uh, have $40 million of dead cap. So the dead here means that you cannot use that money. You can you are $40 million poorer in cap space, and there's nothing you can do to get that cap space back for the for the rest of the season. But, so how much are we paying Matt Ryan this year? So we're paying Matt Ryan $26.9, $26.5 million this year. So if we were to have cut Matt Ryan, we literally could have put a team together then because that would be an additional $14 million under the cap? Yeah, like you would have had to do something crazy because his, his cap hit was $40.9 million before it was restructured today. So yeah, you couldn't either way if you cut him or kept his contract the way it was, you would not be able to field a team probably unless you did some other insane things with the cap that we probably can't even comprehend. Yeah, I mean, I... I I do not 
claim to be a capologist at all, Graham. I, I, this is all very uh, complicated stuff. So you, you, we would hope and I would assume that Fontenot and Arthur Smith aren't making this move without having multiple other cards to play down the road. Yeah, and this is not the end. Like we said last week when Carpenter got cut, since that's happened, Casey's gone, Neil's gone, Matt Ryan's deal restructured. So they're going to keep restructuring people that they want to keep, and they're going to cut people they want to. They, they feel like they can live without. And go to the bargain bin on some free agents that we can hope can turn into something. And then hopefully stockpile draft picks, have a good draft, try to feel a competitive team. It's just looking bleak right now to me. I mean, that could change if we have a really good draft, but... You know, I was not anticipating Matt to be the guy that we're rebuilding around or retooling, whatever the term you want to use, or how screwed or not screwed you think we are. I was not expecting this. I don't think we're... Because of the cap implications. I don't think we're rebuilding around him. We're just saying we can win with a league average quarterback. But the thing thing is, Adam, because there's so many holes on this team that need to be filled, I don't think even with Matt Ryan you're going to you're going to win a lot because he, even if he plays well, he's still sucking away so much money, particularly next year, 48.6 million next year is Matt Ryan. Even the most ardent Matt Ryan defender couldn't say that Matt Ryan is worth $48.6 million. It's still just crazy to me that we're saying that Matt Ryan's a guy we're going to build around and we have to pay him a shit ton of money that limits us in terms of being able to spend in areas that we need to spend on at a high level, such as the offensive and defensive lines. I just disagree with your wording that we're building around Matt Ryan. We're How can you say we're not? He is pretty much taking up he's taking up the most money out of our entire cap. But that's if that's, that's the case, our, you are building that's around not our that GM's guy. fault. Like he's he's I'm not he's, saying it's, that's our GM's fault, but our GM chose you're, you're working around not, it. Not not to suffer for a year, but to potentially suffer for three years and not be able to field a complete team because we think that we can win with Matt. The message has been sent that they think they can do that even with the strictures to the cap. You are building around Matt Ryan. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I think they can win with Matt, too. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 hope, they, I hope they know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I guess the other place I disagree with you is that we have that many holes. Like, you, you act like we have no talent on this team. We have no safeties. We have no edge rushers. We have one good defensive tackle. Uh, well, don't, don't forget. We have a missing left guard. We have no running back. Don't forget about Marlon Davidson. There's your holes. The, uh, we have no center yet, really. Alex Mack is gone, too. I know uh, a guy's name I can never Hennessey, remember. Hennessy, Hennessy, Hennessy. Hennessy, Hennessy, Hennessy. You have him, but you don't know what the hell you're getting from him. You have. I just listed about seven holes that are pretty fucking major to you. Don't forget about Marlon Davidson on the D-line. I think we have young players that didn't get to fully show their potential last year. Right, but and maybe they can. But right now, as of right now, it's a hole. But we also have arguably the best linebacking core in the league right now. I don't know about that. Deion Jones, Foyer, Michael Walker, who got graded as like the top linebacker by Pro Football Focus. I would rather just suck it up this year and have the worst year in the history of the Falcons franchise since Arthur Blank took over. Since Maybe since the, Matt, uh, the Michael Vick debacle, I will say, actually. And then hopefully have a lot of cap space next year to rebuild and draft a quarterback this year. That would have been my play. So what you're saying, Graham, is you hate the, you hate the move. You, I had, it seemed like you were I'm, unsure of how you felt a bit yeah. about it at first, but now you hate it. I, would, I don't know why I hate because it's hard to hate anything with Matt Ryan, but I 
dislike it and disagree with it. Keep in mind, it is March 16th, and this is the first major move they've made so far. So there could be a lot more pieces falling. Oh, I mean, it's a domino effect, man. Like I said, all three safeties are gone. James Carpenter is gone, which is fine because he was terrible anyway. Now Matt Ryan is here forever. So, yeah. It's a it's a like Julio could be traded next month. Who knows? Well, then that like, now if that happens, that would be weird too because then that cuts into this potentially because that would be dead cap trading him. I'm not sure what how much uh, dead cap we would incur from that. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, it doesn't look like we could trade Julio Jones. Yeah, his cap hit is 23 million and the dead cap is 38 million. Yeah, so <laughs> that would uh, that would slaughter any. So that one checks out. Yeah. Well, we can't cut him. We could trade him. Could. So if you could trade Julio, that's another story. I don't know what that does to your cap space. It's I hate the salary cap, but I like the salary cap too because it keeps the NFL competitive. I really wish baseball would implement a salary cap so that the Dodgers couldn't have Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, and Clayton Kershaw on one team. What else is going on in the Falcons world? Nothing. <laughs> if anything else is going on. Oh, you're uh, as predicted, Adam. America's hero, Young Way Koo, re-signed. Yes, thank God. See, that's what saves us for next year right there, Graham. That was one of their first moves. Great move. It's it's funny how Bring someone like the... Kicker. I think the only two free agent signings we've had so far are for punter and a kicker. Well, we didn't really have any money to spend on either of them, so... Very true. And I think the Falcons... I think before the next episode, we're going to sign at least one free agent to come in and, and fill a need. Fontenot repeatedly has said, and you you mentioned this a while ago when he came on board, free agency, fill need, draft, find talent, best available talent. So he's gonna he's gonna fill a need within the next week, I think, because free agency is already going ape shit. The Patriots are making moves like there's no tomorrow. The Ravens signed uh, Matt Ziegler, the really great guard out of the New York Giants. For a big deal, so I'm not saying we're going to get a big free agent because we don't have the money to, but we are going to sign somebody. We're going to sign somebody like a Chris Chester or something, somebody to come in, maybe play in that guard position that's vacant now that Carpenter's gone, something like that. Something's going to happen. You know who's out there, Graham? Hmm. David Andrews, the ex-UGA, ex-Patriots center, who's like coming off injury and kind of needs to rebuild his value. And he's just a, like a nasty, nasty, mean center back in like the Harvey Dahl days. Okay. That's what that's what we need to bring that offensive line, and that's something we can actually afford. It could be a low-risk, potentially higher-org kind of guy. I wouldn't be opposed to it, especially yeah. if he comes from th- a, a unit of excellence such as the Patriots, who have always had one of the best offensive lines in the league year in and year out, it seems like. There's a reason Tom Brady's still playing, and a lot of that, yes, the conditioning, but – his offensive line keeps him on his feet. Right. And I'm looking this up to make sure it's still current, and it is. Apparently the Dolphins are making a push on him. But, you know, maybe, maybe we freed up money to in that contract to get David Andrews. Here, here's another thing to keep in mind. Falcons started the day $14 million above the cap. This move has now given the Falcons $177,204 in cap space. So hmm. that's <laughs> not a lot. For the Falcons to compete at all, they're going to need a hell of a lot more than $177,204. More moves will be made. Isn't that insane, I, I cannot though? Talk, I cannot talk about cap hits and salaries and any of this anymore. I feel like 
we've been practicing like French for the last 30 <laughs> minutes and my brain just hurts. But isn't it crazy to you that even after all the moves that the Falcons had done, getting rid of Carpenter, uh, releasing all the safeties, that we were still $14 million in the hole? Yeah, it's quite unfortunate, Graham. Good God. I don't, I don't, I don't know what Thomas Dimitrov was planning on doing this year if he still had a job. Sweet Jesus, I don't know. All right, Graham, now that I've had a couple minutes to walk off that very stressful and frustrating Falcon segment, let's move to a team that's had a little success. It's your Atlanta Hawks. Thank you, Mr. Hawk, for that transition. (laughs) The Hawks are on a winning streak, as Graham mentioned earlier, and hopefully it'll be six. We're recording on Tuesday the 16th. The Hawks play the Rockets tonight, who have lost like 15 straight games or something ridiculous like that. But we're on a five-game winning streak since Nate McMillan took over for Lloyd Pierce. And that's our longest winning streak since December 28th, 2016 to January 10th, 2017. And not just that, but we're 7-1 and one in games coached by Nate McMillan. And it things have just turned so quickly, Graham. All of a sudden, we're, we're the eighth seed again, and two out of fourth. Like, it's been a ridiculously quick turnaround, which is what we kept saying. It's like we, we were treading enough water that once we start to get healthy and apparently putting a new coach in place, which could go back to our Falcons argument about Arthur Smith, but we won't go there. But it's made a world of a difference. I think one of the big things, too, is that we've seen another comeback after we had that magic comeback or the victory against the magic. We were down, what, 16 with six minutes left. Same thing right. happened when we were playing the Raptors. The team was able to bear down and just slowly chip away at that lead, play good defense. They went on a huge run, something like 18 to 2 or something like that, to get back into that game. And they, and they came back against Toronto on the road. And the Raptors were missing, I think, three, three of their best players. However, it's good to see a young team that has struggled so much be able to dig deep, find that resolve, not quit, come back and get the victory. Like in that Cleveland game, you know, the Cleveland was the team we blew a lead against. I think that was one of Lloyd Pierce's last games. We slaughtered them by like 30 points. It wasn't, you know, the most dominant effort in the history of, of the NBA or anything like that, but it was just such a stark contrast from the Lloyd Pierce-led Hawks, who seemed to have this kind of listless attitude towards these Nate McMillan Hawks, who even though they kind of scuffle a little bit every once in a while, and I think we're still a little too one-dimensional offensively in terms of some guys doing too much isolating and not enough ball movement or play movement off the ball, this team bears down, is playing better defense, and they won that game against the Cavaliers without Clint Capella. The Cavs suck, but we're just seeing a much better effort, I think, night in and night out. It's translating to consecutive victories. Yeah, and th- those are the two games that I, that I wanted to dive into a little bit more because we missed. There's also a went against the Kings sandwiched in that admittedly we both missed because we were on our Atlanta zone retreat. But that Raptors game was such a weird game because we led by 19 at one point in the first half and then just completely blew it. The offense just shut down for two quarters and we ended up being down 15 in the final six minutes. And that's when that comeback started. So like you were saying, there's just like a different battle to where these guys don't give up like they used to. And in that game, and since McMillan has taken over to prove that point, we've outscored opponents 159 to 103 in the fourth quarter. 
in those five games. So, I mean, that just completely flips the narrative of why we were losing under Lloyd Pierce when we were leading so many games going into the fourth. Um, yeah. And that Raptors game, that was the, the big Tony Snell buzzer, buzzer winning shot where Trey drove to the lane and like literally four or five defenders jumped on him. And in my head, I'm like, oh, no, he's going to try to just throw up some bullshit, terrible shot. But instead, he finds the wide open Tony Snell, who is shooting like 64 percent from three since February 1st. And Snell knocks it down and just wins the game. So that was an awesome game. And then that Cavs game you're talking about, that was 182, not not 30 points. We fact check around here, Graham. Sure. But as you said, there was no Capella and not only no Capella, but no Okongwu as well. And we had a guy we haven't talked about on the podcast enough, Nathan Knight. Yes, that dude took over that game. So did you you were you got to see Nathan Knight, Graham? I did. I'm actually able to watch Hawks games now. It's very exciting. Um, But it's really exciting to talk about him because like Bruno Fernando has kind of been like the third string center and he's garbage. Like he cannot, he has zero hands. Like you throw him the ball in the paint guarantee. He's not going to be able to handle it. He's going to throw something up. It's going to get blocked. He's going to have a turnover. And in this game, Bruno Fernando came out there and ended up being minus 19 for the game, for his minutes that he was in there. And Nate McMillan could see, Oh, this guy, it's not good. It's not working out. And he puts in Nathan Knight, who's currently a two way player he had a huge game in like December, like the first time he had played real minutes. And this is really the second game that he's played real minutes. And he's three for five from the field. He can shoot the three. He was one for one for three. Nine of 10 from free throw line. So he's aggressive. He drives. I mean, this guy's 6'10, 253. And he is not scared. He had not added nine boards, two blocks. And he was plus 17 compared to Bruno Fernando's minus 19. So it's like a no-brainer. Let's give this guy a go. Like, I loved his efficiency. Like you were saying, it doesn't take a lot of shots, but he's making his shots. Shot 60% from the field in that Cleveland game, 16 points, 9 boards, and only 23 minutes. And another thing that I really loved about him is that he's 6'10". He's a big guy, 253. And we've seen, at least I feel like I've seen over the years, whether it be the college game or the NBA game, so many big guys who are phys- who should be physical who are, have big frames, you know, so many times they're in the post and they're trying to lay the ball up or whatever and be too cute in the post. This dude is dunking over folks. He was being aggressive. He was taking it to the rack. He was, there was a reason he's shooting 60% from the field. It's because he's aggressive and, and doing the most, you know, giving himself the most high percentage shot, which is the dunk. He's not trying to lay it up. He is going for the throat. He's going for the juggler. He was aggressive. I, lo- I love seeing that. That was the first time I've really seen him play. Uh, in any sort of meaningful fashion. And I know that Clint Capella is out again tonight against Houston, so I'm expecting, once again, that we'll see a large dose of Mr. Nathan Knight tonight. The, it was all over SportsCenter, his, one of his dunks where he was blocked the entire way. Yeah, and he still got he's it still, there. He still just powers it through. So, I, I mean, objectively, like I, I do like Okongwu and his potential, but he has not looked as polished as Nathan Knight. And it comes back to, I don't remember if that was last week or a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the college basketball game and how guys only play one year and then come to the NBA and they're just not polished. So like Okongwu, yeah, he's probably got more 
physical skills than Nathan Knight. And obviously he was a much bigger prospect where he was drafted six overall and Nathan Knight was undrafted and we just signed him after the fact. But Nathan Knight played four years at William and Mary. And last year was not only the player of the year in the CAA conference. Is that the colonial? Yeah, I think it's colonial American or athletic American or Somewhere in there. Something. Yeah. First, he was the player of the year and the defensive player of the year. Averaged 20 points a game, 10 and a half rebounds. And he just looks more polished than Okongwu. So there's something to be said for playing more than one year in college. If an undrafted guy with similar body type can come in and just look so much more ready to play. And good on Nathan Knight for being ready to play whenever his number gets called. Yeah, I want to see what he does um, in this in this Houston game, particularly against a, a Rockets squad, as you mentioned, that has really scuffled. And this also begins, Adam, like we talked about last week, this brutal eight-game West Coast road trip through, I think, yeah. the beginning of April. And I love that this team is starting to peak or at least find out who they are right now when we're going on this trip that I think will define the season. I think this this road trip will determine if we're going to make the playoffs or not, how we play. Now, you could say the East sucks so much that maybe it won't, but I think I'm going to have a lot more confidence going into the playoffs that the, that the Hawks can actually maybe sneak out a, a, a win or two in a series or maybe even challenge for a, a first-round victory. You know, because the thing is, is that we if we can get the five seed or something, we can win a playoff round. You just don't want to be playing um, Brooklyn in the first round is all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, They uh, that's a team possessed. And I, th- I think they're still missing... Who's out? Durant? Yeah. Kyrie and James Harden. It's unfair. And they, no, just they got, got Blake Griffin. They Blake just, Griffin. They just Blake Griffin. But, it's ridiculous. Well, yeah. It's unfair, but at least I still say we're a team that could have more depth overall. Obviously, we don't have four superstars, but we do get DeAndre Hunter back potentially this week, which was fantastic news. I saw that today where he, he could play as early as Thursday of this week. That's huge. So, and let me ask you this, Adam. Yeah. With his return, let's say he keeps just tearing it up. Let's say he picks up right where he left off, or he's averaging damn near close to 20 points a game, six boards, five assists, whatever it was. Is John Collins more expendable now as a potential trade piece than he was, you know, a couple months ago? Yeah, and those rumors just keep continuing. And you got to think that, if there's a team out there that's willing to give him a max contract, can we really match that? I, I don't think John Collins is a max contract player, objectively. He's a very good player, but he's not among the NBA elite. So, And you've got to think they've invested in Gallinari, who plays his position. Hunter can play power forward, and they drafted Okongwu at number six overall. And so, let's not forget Clint Capella is anchored there in the middle, even though he's not as diverse a player as Collins in terms of he has virtually no three-point game he's a force inside he'll still get you a bunch of rebounds and some blocks and and, and score some points exactly so we're we're invested in that position and just down low in general so and keep in mind we're not like if we make the trade we're going to be getting a good young player back as well like they're not going to do it for nothing right so if we can get a good wing out of it and fill these other guys in, especially that we've been winning without DeAndre, I'm maybe a little bit open to it because we don't want him to walk for nothing. It's not like it's not like we're winning an NBA championship this year. No, or next year. 
You'd prefer getting something back over him just walking at the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, it can't be a Paul Millsap or Al Horford situation. Right. Like, that That was just so frustrating to watch us not be able to deal those guys. And I know we were still trying to win with them, but it was pretty clear that we couldn't when we still had them. And it was like, well, what are we doing here? We're just this middling team. Like, especially that last year with, with Paul when Dwight Howard was here, it was like his teammate winning shit. So last time we had a five-game winning streak on yep. that team. But, yeah, let's not think about contracts with this team. Let's just keep winning some games, see where it goes. Yeah, keep building that chemistry. And I'll say this, Nate McMillan is looking really good in terms of uh, his future if he keeps this up. Not to say he's going to win every game, but, uh, you know, things are looking looking real nice so far under his stewardship. Yep, could have they're having fun. You can tell they're having a lot more fun than they were under Lloyd Pearson. Yeah, much you better know, body energy for sure. It, it, it could be a uh, Freddie Gonzalez to Snit type situation. Yeah, or it could be the interim becomes the full time. See how they do for the next week here, and yeah, like you said, that that West Coast trip is is huge. Start with the Lakers Saturday. So, Adam, speaking of Brian Snitker, we also have the Braves to talk about. Do we? Yes. And things are looking pretty fun down there in Northport, Florida. Ronald Acuna has gotten his groove back, and his OPS is now above 900. I think he's hit four homers in the last week or so. He's looking good. Marcelo Zuna homered today. No one's worried about Ozuna. No one was worried about Acuna. I think those guys are fine. Snicker has said that the regular guys are going to start playing more. And he thinks that one of the reasons Acuna is starting to pick it up is because he, does, he has this philosophy in spring training where he basically doesn't play his everyday guys every day during spring training initially. He's trying to let them, you know, build up their routines and get back into baseball. Now, these guys are always in shape now, but like back into, you know, seeing baseball is working on things and also just resting. Right. And then slowly starts getting them playing consecutive games as spring training goes along. Since Acuna has been playing regularly, it looks great. So there, there's never anything to worry about there. And I think this just reinforces it. Then we got them pitchers, Adam. Uh, your boy Bryce Wilson's looking good through nine innings this spring. is a 2.00 ERA. Looked pretty damn solid against the Twins in a 5-1 Braves win. And was able to pitch around some uh, some guys on base. Christian Pache also had a hell of a throw in that game where he gunned out a guy at the plate. I think it was in the first inning when Bryce Wilson looked a little shaky. And then he uh, really settled down from there. Looks like we're just hearing nothing but pretty much good things out of camp. Even you know, in terms of in terms of the things that we want to have happen are happening. Bryce Wilson's looking good. Christian Pache, even though he struggled offensively, he's hitting two. He's two for fifteen. Is playing excellent defense, and the Braves aren't as concerned with his bat. And hopefully, that'll come around as as spring training progresses and the season comes along. A lot of bench guys are really really competing hard. Jason Kipnis hit a homer the other day. Yeah, we got this 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 guy I didn't hear about that we signed and Hira Adriazana, journeyman guy who's played with the Giants and the Twins over the last uh, four or five years, hitting three thirty three, five walks, and a massive three run walk off homer against the Rays on Sunday, and uh, he's competing for a bench spot with guys like Jason Kipnis, Pablo Sandoval, and Johan Camargo, um, and he plays quality defense. He can pretty much play anywhere except catcher. And center field, he's, he's he's logged at least a few appearances at every other position, so he could be a good depth guy who at least looks like he has some pop right now in the spring. I'm not sure what his track record is as a, as a major leaguer 
over the course of his career. But uh, he, he sounds really happy to be here. He said, I love, he said uh, that he played against the Braves in 2019 and that um, he heard a lot of good things about the team. And that's why he chose to sign with the Braves. Uh, he likes the coaches, the front office, and the players a lot and uh, thinks that they've got great chemistry and he hopes he can make a, a, a spot on the roster. So this is a guy that was even on my radar who is really, really heating up uh, in spring training and is making a case to be on this major league roster. Well, yeah, think of him, and I think he's got a really good chance of making it. Think of him as like a Echeverria type of guy where we don't really have anyone else on the team that can play a good shortstop besides Dansby. Like you're right. not going to put – you're not going to – Camargo – had his chance at shortstop and wasn't very good. So not so fast, my friend. Snitker is saying that Camargo's definitely got a shot to play shortstop. To play shortstop? Yep. As as a backup, Camargo is in better shape than he was last year. Snitker has said, "I really like what I've seen of him and how he's moving. I think we all feel real comfortable and confident with him playing shortstop again." Okay, well that that changes things then, because with Adriana. I kind of put him there for his glove, but I think old Big Panda's having a decent spring as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's doing pretty well. Every time I read an article, it's like he's ripping a ball down the line or you know, having a good hit somewhere. So I think I think this is a really com- – and Jason Kipnis is having a good spring too, apparently. So this is a really competitive time for the – probably the one of the more competitive spring trainings for the bench in recent history. And then you also got Ender, who I don't know how he's doing in spring training, but, you know – that name always uh, carries a lot of clout with one Brian Snitker, and you know his defense is still pretty good. Well, I think he, I think he's got to be a given for the like. You're not going to just throw Camargo out there as the fourth outfield. No, I mean he's probably he's probably yeah. You're right. He's probably going to make it. Yeah, I mean Kipnis, Sandoval, Adriana, and uh, Camargo. These guys are all all out here trying. You know, really competing hard for this spot. It's going to be it's going to be tough uh, for the Braves to make a decision there. I think it's just going to come down to who gives you the most value as utility person. And Pablo Sandoval also might get um, – he could potentially be your big pinch hitter because, we, you know, the DH is gone from the National League, like we mentioned. So I don't know how things are going to shake out, but it'll be interesting to see the last few weeks of spring training how these guys continue to perform or not perform. will certainly dictate, you know, the final decisions made by Snicker and Alex Anthopoulos. That's what is exciting about the DH being gone is that the bench matters again. Like having a good bench makes a difference versus last year where it's like just the same nine guys batting all game. So – that's a fun battle to watch. Uh, glad to see Brycey. Brycey boy is having a good spring. I think the job's his to lose at this point just because of what he showed in the playoffs last year where Kyle Wright had that first good game, but then just a complete dud. So Br- Bryce just is, it's his time. But my biggest concern about what, out of what you said there is Pache. Like Pache's got to get that bat going because there's still major concerns with the bat. I understand the defense is next level elite, but he's got to show us a little more something than two for 15 hitting. Yeah, he's been quiet pretty much since that first week when he got that opposite field triple. Haven't really seen much from him offensively yet. I'm still not worried. I mean, I was so impressed by his approach during that Dodgers series, how he was able to work counts against some of the best pitchers in baseball, draw walks, hit a home run, hit a double, got on base a decent amount. I'm I'm okay. I agree. I want to see more for sure. And that was a very small sample size. But I think we got a big taste of the mental toughness of Christian Pache last year in that NLCS. I'm willing to give him a, a long leash to figure it out because he doesn't have to carry anybody offensively. I just need you to play good defense and develop as a hitter. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fair to say that's a good point that 
what you did in the playoffs shows you a lot more than what he, what you did in spring training the, in the first two weeks. Right. So if yeah, he hadn't I, if he I hadn't think, done that if he hadn't done that or had that opportunity I'd I'd be kind of more like okay well can this guy really hit in the big leagues or can he evaluate uh, you know can he work a count etc. But and I think the only real news for the Braves Nick Markakis is officially retired. So you've already talked to death about Markakis and said you know we appreciate his time here but I figured we just mentioned that. Uh, in passing here, as he would probably want it. He doesn't want a, a real big send-off or anything like that. He, has, he knew, apparently, after the NLCS was over last year, that he was done. He, has, he just wants to sort of escape and be a, a, a guy who lives at home with his, his three sons, who I think are like 7, 10, and 12. He wants to be a stay-at-home dad. And his wife is out working and, and doing her thing. I think she's like a fitness trainer or something. And he, he just wants a quiet life at home away from the game, be with his family. And I respect that. And uh, hats off to Nick Markakis for a hell of a hell of a career. Nick, you were a damn good brave. Yes, sir. That's all we'll say. Yeah. And then Chris Martin finally debuted at him and threw a, a scoreless inning of baseball and struck out two guys, which is big. It was good to just see that he, one, is healthy. Two, the cherry on top is that he was effective, even though it's a, a meaningless game. But still, Great to see. Definitely a guy that could certainly be a contender for the closers role. Yeah, he's a monster. I'm a big Chris Martin fan. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll be talking a lot more Braves as we get closer to the start of the regular season. But I think this wraps up today's show of Atlanta's own. Thank you guys for spending some time with us this week. We will holler at you next week. We hope you're doing well out there. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitometer Shane Green's still a free agent. Hospitometer